Welcome to week six of Sports Sushi's 10 Topics in 10 Weeks with 10 Guests. Tonight, we're joined by Del Reed, founder of the Bills Mafia, 26 Shirts, and most recently, 2023 Bills Fan of the Year. Del, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for the invite. I'm, uh, I know we had a hard time picking out a date, so I really appreciate your flexibility. I've been looking ah. forward to this conversation. Yeah, yeah, we're always kind of all over the board and 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 rolling with the punches. It's all it's all good. So tonight we're going to be talking about the difference between good and great. And before we really dive into the meat of that topic, I mean, I got to take this chance. I'm pretty sure you haven't done any interviews this week. Am I? Do I got the exclusive here, Dell? On on you coming off the Super Bowl? I, I've done a couple, but nothing about the Super Bowl. So let's do it. Let's get into it. All right. So um, just this week, you were you were at the the Super Bowl, the Chiefs, 49ers. You were uh, nominated as Bills fan of the, the year. Uh, kind of just real quick dive into the backstory. I mean, I, I feel like that's a long time overdue reward for you um, on uh-huh. that front. But how'd that come about? And uh, what was the Super Bowl experience like? Yeah. Um, so something like fan of the year isn't something I would normally seek out. Um it just feels kind of like weird to be honest. Like not, not bad, weird, just like it's just you know. But my wife found out it was a thing like back in August or September, and she was like, I'm nominating you. And I'm like, Oh, please don't, please don't. She's like, No, I'm doing it. <laughs> and uh, so she went on this like social media campaign, like posting on Facebook and Twitter and like tagging every Bills fan and former player, probably a couple current players that she knew on Twitter. Um and uh it just everybody kind of like answered the, the the call and when the bills told me i was gonna be if i was fan of the year they said it was almost unanimous in the nomination so very humbling um means a lot uh kind of a like, like if you ask me it's almost cool. a lifetime achievement award <laughs> yeah maybe maybe i mean i mean because i don't know if anything this specific year has stands out per se but um but as yeah, far as the fans and everybody really getting behind and saying this is this is the year that you're going to get it, I mean, everyone knows what you've done with 26 shirts, but like you've been through the drought with all of it, and and you, you've you've been the face of the team for so long now that I feel like like if, if anyone was going to be fan of the year for you, it's almost a lifetime achievement award and and everything that you've done for the community and the team. Well, that, that's very kind of you. Thank you, and it's um, it's a labor of love for sure. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, it was great. It was awesome. It was an awesome honor to represent Bills fans at the Super Bowl throughout all these events. Um, like so, I, I remember. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was just going to have a follow up question on kind of what that experience yeah. was like. Yeah. Well, real, real quick, I just want to say I remember it was like the first home game after they told me that I was, you know, fan of the year. I remember walking up the steps to uh, my seat, and I remember very distinctly. Um, thinking like there are 73,000 other people in this building right now who are probably just as worthy to be Bill's fan of the year when it comes to the love and devotion, the volume that that they bring to games on Sundays and now that the Bills are popular, Mondays and Thursdays and <laughs> Sundays. <laughs> um, but it, it's so I, I don't let my head, my head get too big over something like this. Um, we as a fan base are pretty terrific and um it's just it was it's an awesome awesome honor to do it john lang who did it last year gino alport who did it two years ago whoever's going to be named next year um all very worthy and you know happy to be among them 
So what's the, what was the experience like as far as the trip and going to the Super Bowl? Do they have like all of the fan of the year staying at the same hotel? Is there kind mm-hmm. of like events and, and were you partying with all these guys? Yeah, yeah. So we were all put up at the Luxor, um, which is literally walking distance from the stadium on Sunday because that's what we did. We walked yeah. to the stadium. Um, and I got to I got to know all the other fans of the year. And some of them I had uh, met in the past, like I, I met Tom Grossi, who was the eventual NFL fan of the year. We actually did a project together last summer. Um, so I'd already met him. So it was great to see him. And which team does he represent? Uh, the Packers. The Packers. Oh, nice. And um, uh, Sean Polite, who is the Cowboys fan of the year, he came here for the game in December and, you know, connected with me. So we actually went out for wings like the Friday before the, the Cowboys took on the Bills. And then um, I had connected with the Pittsburgh fan before that that playoff game, um, so it, it was kind of cool to meet a couple to meet you know some people I had only had digital connections with um, people I met once or twice. Uh, it was awesome, and then so many people I'd never met before. Uh, it was it was really cool just to see all these different fans, and we kind of all bond in in that. So it didn't matter that you know Steve is a Texans fan and Chili yeah. is a Titans fan. Like we're all sharing our love of the game there. Um, Especially seeing really on none of your really teams cool. were there. <laughs> yeah. I all bonded over that. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the Chiefs and the 49ers fans of the year were really cool. Uh, really cool guys. Like, and even the Patriots fan. Like, we were all talking about how much we hated how nice a guy he was. Like, we were like, <laughs> man, it would be so much easier to hate you. You know, <laughs> we'd be so much more comfortable hating you. But yeah. you're too you're too nice a guy. Um, but the, the, the 49ers fan, Danny, when they brought us all out onto the field, at the Super Bowl, I was standing right next to him, and it was actually really cool to leech off of his experience a little bit because here he is, like his lifelong love, the 49ers. They're actually about to play in the Super Bowl. They had us lining up in the end zone um, a couple hours before the game started, and the 49ers players are warming up around us. Like Christian McCaffrey is actually like running through the line of fans of the year, not to say hi, just like kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Slightly. <laughs> and so he's right there. And then Brandon Ayuk is right there. Debo Samuel is right there. And Danny was just like in his element. I mean, I was in my element. These are superstar athletes, but Danny was just, he's crying on the field and he's just like <laughs> soaking it all in. I don't think his phone came out once um, during that whole time, just because he was just absorbing in the, the moment. Whole. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Though. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was actually really cool. It, like I said, it turned out he was a nice guy. And it sucks that the, the, the Chiefs guy was nice too. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so th- I mean, we went through, there's a whole other ton of other stuff I can share with you if you want that happened that week, but um, it was really cool. It was a great so aside, aside from the, aside from the game itself, what was your favorite experience of the, of the whole trip? Oh, the honors Thursday night. So we, our flight left at 7 a.m. Eastern time. And then um, we landed around 11 a.m. Uh, Pacific, maybe eleven forty-five. I think it's when we came. Eleven thirty, eleven forty-five, Pacific, and we were scheduled to leave the hotel at like two fifteen. So it was a whirlwind of a day. Like we woke up, we got on the plane, switched over from Chicago to Vegas, got to the hotel, checked in, had about an hour or so. I think I zonked out for like an hour, hour and a half, and then got up, went downstairs, and got on the bus to the NFL Honors. And the NFL Honors was so cool it was such a great experience um just to be there i I don't think you can buy tickets i think everything is invite um to to that show 
so it was really cool to be part of that exclusive audience, I guess, or participants. Um, I got to meet a bunch of players, uh, Kyle Brandt, who oh, I'm, a, nice. I'm a huge, huge fan of Kyle Brandt. I, and so I walked up to him and I just said, mafia mount up. And he looked up and he's like, Dell. So that was really cool that he like, we've had interactions on social media, but they actually like, he was just a really nice, gracious guy. We're talking and he saw my wife with, uh the phone in her hand he's like come on get in here let's get a picture you know he took we took a picture together and everything um he, that was probably the highlight outside of the super bowl that was one of my favorite moments was meeting kyle brand um we did got you, to uh, did with harrison the circle what's that oh, i did adam, not adam, I was, adam Schefter? you didn't get him i was looking all over for adam i think i even t- tweeted him at one point like we have, where are you um, got unfinished business. I got to, yeah right um I w- that would have been a great moment but um yeah i uh I got to meet Ian Rappaport. I sent him chicken wings like five or six years ago. And I'm like, remember when you got chicken wings in the mail? That was me. So that was kind of cool to meet him. And um, uh, just just a slew of other people. Got to meet the commish. And I, I think I apologized on Twitter. I said, sorry, I forgot to boo him in person. Oh, you're, but, you're really, did you get a, have a brief little conversation or was it just a handshake? It, it was real quick. It was like lining up, taking selfies and pictures and saying hello to him. Um, now, one thing I forgot to mention was before this for so for a couple months before this they actually had like these live zoom calls with all the fans of the year and they they had special talks and one of them was actually roger goodell and you could um everybody could submit questions and talk to him and everything so there's 32 of us the moderator and then roger goodell and this is probably in january early january and i asked him about the state of nfl officiating and the moderator didn't ask my question. He came out and said he thinks they're doing a good job. Yeah, right. So uh, like all these questions were good questions, but like, you know, like softballs, like what's the NFL doing with social justice? What's the NFL doing about, you know, charitable work in, you know, the, you know, the uh, crucial catch program, stuff like that. And I'm like, what are your thoughts on the NFL officiating this year? <laughs> so I was like, I got crickets on that. So, um, but Tom Grossi and I, uh, like I said, we had worked together in, in the past. So we had a, a whole side conversation going on during, during these Zooms. Like, he's like, go ahead, ask. I dare you. I'm like, I'm asking. <laughs> so, it was fun. It was fun. So that was, a, that was a nice little thing that they did for, for all of us. They didn't have to do it. Um, yeah. But those Zoom conversations were cool. We had one with uh, former players who are now working in the league. Um, there was, a, there was a couple others um, too, but um, yeah, it was just great. So meeting Kyle Brandt was awesome. Getting to reconnect with Harrison Phillips, former Bill, now Viking, who was up for Walter Payton Man of the Year. Got to see Dion. Got to flash Tyreek Hill uh, under my jersey. I had a, a shirt of a, a buffalo knocking out a dolphin and said "Reigning Champs." So I go, Tyreek. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I registered on his, but I, I, you know, he saw it though. He saw it, but he didn't like. Yeah, <laughs> didn't didn't land, but but it was in his yeah. eye. Line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so tra- transition a little more towards the game, and then segueing into the into the kind of the topic of the evening. What what are your thoughts on the actual experience of the game, being there for it? Uh, the two teams that were there, do you think they were the, the the best ones in the league? And what do you think ultimately was the difference between the two? Well, you know, call me a homer, but I think the Super Bowl was played two games before the actual Super Bowl, the two best teams in the league with the Bills and, and the Chiefs. But um one man's opinion, but I think I've got an entire fan base that agrees with me. <laughs> but um it was it was I thought it was a great matchup. Kyle Shan I think it's a real testament to Kyle Shanahan. Um game day decisions notwithstanding. Yeah, I don't know if I would have taken the ball first in overtime against Patrick Mahomes, but um 
but uh, anyways, but credit to him. He's been to the Super Bowl three times now as the 49ers head coach. Each time he's had a different quarterback. I mean, that says something. Yeah. Um, with, with Kaepernick and uh, Garoppolo and now Purdy. So um, I think that's a huge accomplishment, to be honest with you. I don't think it gets talked about enough. Um. Uh, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. I, I saw maybe it was Barstool. Somebody posted about it a couple of weeks ago. Like Patrick Mahomes is like Thanos. Like he's inevitable. It, it's just it's it's the Chiefs. So they were there because they're always there. It seems like lately. Um, it was a great matchup. It was a great game, you know. And I was really pulling for the 49ers because I'm petty and I didn't want to see the Chiefs. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to see that that story play out. <laughs> but I, um, I I'm thankful that it was a game that we. I mean, we got. It was the longest Super Bowl ever played. It was, you know, it was great. It was a great back and forth, and p- people were complaining it was it was boring. I saw, you know, I was talking to some people afterwards. It started out boring and slow. I love a good defensive matchup as long as the game is close. I don't care if it's three three nothing or if it's forty five forty two. I just like the tension when it's like oh, I could go anyway. It could go anyway. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought it was a great game. The game or the presentation of the game itself, just being at the Super Bowl, was unreal and we were saying before i think i was telling you before that this uh conversation where we went live um even the super bowl announcer is epic like it, it's just everything and honestly even like the prices were you know of like food and everything and drinks like they weren't as expensive as i thought they would be i mean i think we're all conditioned to paying 16 dollars for a beer now but especially at the super bowl it's just like so how much was especially it when you just, it was like sixteen bucks. It was sixteen dollars. Oh, really? It was like just yeah. a standard game day. For the price? Yeah, it was like a st- standard game day. And I don't know, maybe maybe because I was in steerage in the four hundreds. Maybe that's why um, it was. I, I would expect at least a fifty percent boost uh, for just off mm-hmm. Super Bowl alone. Yeah, no, it was um, it was great. It was wild too. Like there's lines for the NFL shop in there, just people waiting to get in just to buy the merch and, and all that. Um, but it was. It, I, it was a great experience. It was awesome. I would never be able to or want to pay what they need, what they ask for to sit in one of those seats. But I'll go every time if someone says, "Hey, I got, I'll, I'll, I'll cover the cost." So hey, you send me, I'll go. I'm not going of my own volition. I have this uh, this, this Josh Allen plan that I've been wanting to enact for the last few years, and I keep missing the window. And and it looks like this. You buy two if you can do it four, but you buy two tickets at face value when the Super Bowl tickets first go on sale. The the plan works best if you buy four because if you buy them at face value and the Bills make the Super Bowl, then you can sell two to pay for your two. If the Bills don't go to the Super Bowl, then you just sell your tickets and you collect the profit and then you repeat the process, hoping at some point during the Allen window they're going to make the Super Bowl then you're you're covering your odds by hedging your back in the tickets at face value and then yeah. just flipping them if, if if he doesn't yeah that's actually only window i care about is the dell window <laughs> you know like hopefully i've got another like i don't know 30 40 years on this planet um as long yeah, as they like win it in that, the end window, of that window yeah right exactly i'll take the element window that sooner but like um i just want to i don't care who it is i just want to see I just want to see them win. I don't care who's under center. Ernie Green, welcome to what the up? show as, as our uh, belated co-host this evening. We're just starting to transition to the topic of the evening. Dell's been telling us all about his uh, Super Bowl experience as fan of the year. And congratulations on that, Dell. You should have won the whole shebang, in my opinion, but I'm biased. <laughs> well, thanks so much. Um, 
Tom's a pretty worthy guy. I'll, I'll, I'll let him have it. I told him since we did the shirts for his St. Jude fundraiser, the 30 and 30 he did last June, which was an amazing effort. He went to 30 different NFL cities on his own dime in, in 30 days. Um, and he raised like $500,000 for St. Jude. But since we did the shirts for that effort, I told him I get 1% of the fan of the year. So he was cool with that. So he gets 99%. I get 1% of fan of the year. So that, 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 that's better um, than me. That's better than Chris and I got, we got combined zero. So and speaking of which, <laughs> Dell, I want to, uh, we're live, right? Yep. Yep. I want to publicly thank you for helping out a dear friend of mine, Jackie Gunther. I've known Jackie for about 30 years. She's been a great friend of mine. And when I saw that you were doing something for her, I, was, I might've been the first person to buy the shirt, but whether that, irregardless of that, I just want to thank you for helping her, man. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's an honor to do what we do. Um, just to, to make a difference. Like if you're going to buy Buffalo stuff, if you're going to buy, you know, bills related stuff, might as well help somebody in the process. So, um, and it's wild. Like every time we do a shirt, like these are often like strangers to me. I mean, I meet them through, you know, people applying or tweeting at me or emailing me. Um, but so many, like we'll do a, a shirt campaign either during the campaign or sometimes months or even years later on. Somebody will say like, Oh, that was a dear friend of mine, you know? So it's just amazing how we're able to touch everybody eventually. Also, it's great to meet you. I know we've interacted on Twitter like a thousand times in the past 10 years. So it's nice to actually face to the name. Lies. Face to the name. Yeah. Well, well, well Del, the, I'm saving the first time we meet up for the victory parade. How's that? It will happen in our lifetime, and I'll meet you in person the first time there. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, well, don't run away. If you, see, if you see me, though, if you see me out like somewhere in Buffalo, if you ever, I know you're not out here anymore. Don't run away just because it's not a parade. Like, still come by and say hello if we're in the same space. Maybe I'll give you like one of these from afar. How's that? Like the Sammy Sosa. Am I am oh, I yeah. the only one that wanted to break into song there? Uh, I, I'm I'm forgetting what the '80s song was, but the the walk away, don't walk away. No? <laughs> uh, Maybe. Oh, right. John Waite is that John Waite? Uh, I believe so. Bad English. I don't know. It was one of those '80s hair yeah. right? So I just know I just know the chorus was something with walking or running away. Yeah. So. Uh, with the Super Bowl being here, the us wanting to see the Bills win, the, the the topic came up like, really, what is the difference between a really good team and a really great team? And there's two main questions I want to hang my hat on with this. And the first one I'm going to start with is more on a, a, a personal definition of what greatness means to each of us. And so, Dell, we'll start with you as our, our guest of honor this evening. What is, in your opinion, your closest experience or most profound experience with greatness in your lifetime? Um, all right. Well, my, my definition is better than most uh, in terms of what great is. Better than most. Not 50%, but most. Um, and this is going to sound super corny, but, but it's true because I know she's never going to watch this replay. My wife, honestly, is the closest brush I've had with greatness as, as a wife, as a mother, um, I could not have a better mother for my children. Just the way that she thinks about everything with these, I would be so lost trying to parent these kids, like through, especially now in the teenage years and, uh, ones in her early twenties, like I would have no idea if not for her and, and her wisdom and the way that she looks at stuff. She's a teacher. She's a great teacher. Um, so I know it's corny and it's not what we're looking for, but that's, well, that's I mean, the it's the day after Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day. So let's <laughs> wiggle with the fluff a little bit, but within the context of, uh, let's say the, the world of sports, what, sure, would, sure. what, what to you is your most memorable experience with, with, with sports greatness? Honestly, um, 
watching the Patriots for as long as they had that run, watching Tom Brady, because now we know it wasn't the Patriots because as soon as he left New England, he <laughs> went to Tampa and won a Super Bowl, which is which for me, you know, I thought that was great. I'm not, not you know, I wasn't really a Tom Brady fan. The wounds are still fresh at that time, 2020 season. But seeing him leave New England and immediately yeah. – um, Bill not getting hired was pretty pretty good too. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was, it was pretty fantastic. Um, but it just goes to show you, like, people, you know, I, and there were some people on Twitter that were saying, "Would you take Bill Belichick as the coach?" Because you know, people are angry with Sean McDermott. I'm like, does he come with 2007 to 2017 Tom Brady? If not, no, I don't want him. Um, I already, I always so say, we've, we've already got a defensive coordinator that's riding the coat strings of his quarterback. <laughs> So I guess that's my answer is the closest I've seen to greatness would probably be the Patriots run for 20 years, 20 years. That's amazing. Ernie, you know, you know what? I just want to, Dell was there too. I'm, I'm assuming. And yes, their run was great. Um, being in the crowd for that 47 to 17 game when the bills is completely demolished the Patriots and just to see the look on the fans faces of the Patriots, they had the look on their face. Like the other team has the better quarterback He's going to be the better quarterback for 15 years, and we are screwed. And I saw that look. I'm like, I know that look. That's been me. Since, I know that look. That's been me. I see since, that in the mirror. Yes, like that's been me since 2001. And I just remember looking up, and you know, I, it was the game was out of hand. Like it was, it was and it was so cathartic. You know, watching the 2020 Monday Night game when they just completely blew them out. That was cathartic. But like being in the crowd with their fans and seeing like the oh no look on their face and like i just have to look up at a gaggle of them i just looked up and i i did the vince carter i'm like it's over and they kind of look back at me they had boston fans will argue anything that's just who they are they had nothing to say because they knew i was right and i'm not one to talk trash in a sporting event but i just said hey it's over i think greatness yeah and what, what the patriots did in those 20 years not only were they great but you could not give them any extra opportunity in a close game they never blinked first, whether it was the Bills in the regular season or the Ravens in the postseason or the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. They never blinked first. They always made one more play and they always took advantage of every opportunity that they had to win. They never like and a lot of it. Let's be honest. A lot of it is luck. Like Pete Carroll not running the ball with Marshawn Lynch. That's luck. The Patriots got lucky that the Seahawks were stupid. OK, the tuck rule that started all was luck. But every championship is luck because if Tyler Bass makes that field goal, maybe the Bills have one stop at him and they win the game. Mm-hmm. If, if they didn't have punt, a if that punt doesn't hit the 49ers foot. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah, if they um if you know the Bills did not employ an absolutely asinine defense up up with the 13 seconds left. I mean the the, the you know the the um I firmly believe that the line between the Bills and the Chiefs is so razor thin, it's not even funny. And because the last two playoff games have been razor thin, mm-hmm. it's just one team has taken advantage of every opportunity and one team hasn't. Some of it's luck and some of it's just taking advantage of a situation. So great greatness is being great, but also taking advantage of the opportunities that you get. Because if you don't take advantage of them, you're not going to be great. You're just going to be stuck in good. So you said taking advantage of a number of times there, and I wasn't going to bring this up, but I really feel like those two words are directly relevant to the difference between the Bills and the Chiefs. If you guys really start looking at, like you rewind things a little bit, and it looks to me like Andy Reid's been taking advantage of Sean McDermott since they split ways. 
Like he got him on the Mahomes trade. He got him on the McDuffie trade. He's 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 outcoached him at every turn. I feel like they're like they, they have this like yin yang battle, and and we're the kind of Andy Reid's patsies to Andy Reid's timeline, and and and, and it's it's driving me nuts a little bit. That's just my side tangent there. So for me, the my my profound experience with greatness is ironically. The, the difference between a U and an I. And it's not even the U and the I. It's literally the letter U and the and the I. Because here's what the Bills of the 90s taught me. The Bills of the 90s taught me everything I know about resiliency. Shit hurts. It sucks. Get the fuck back up. Go to work. Deal with it. Figure out another way. Keep coming back. But the Bulls of the 90s taught me everything I know about greatness. Watching them... Time after time, didn't didn't matter who the opponent was. They always rose to the moment. One 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 side always kind of wilted in the biggest moment. The other side, no matter the opponent, rose to the, the greatest moment. And and Jordan, to me, I, like I've got goosebumps on my on my legs and, and arms now, just thinking about Jordan and how much that man just had something else in there when it was time to win, when it was time to kill, when it was time to take this game by the throat. There was nobody else that did it better. And to me, that is the quintessential example of, of greatness. Now, you might win championships. You might have a great career in all these different ways and, and, and accomplishments. But that, that to me, is the pinnacle tier of, of, of greatness. Yeah, think about how many great, great teams, I even say that intentionally, there were in the 90s that did not make the NBA Finals, that did not win an NBA trophy. Um, how many great teams there were in the 2000s uh, that did not win the Lombardi because the Patriots were in the way. Um, they, they, they have, there's that extra something. And it, it's, it's, yeah, it's a really, I, I don't know why I didn't mention the Bulls. Like that's an excellent example too. Uh, just complete domination for yeah. such a long time. So the, the follow-up question, and you kind of set it up perfectly there, Dell, becomes is a championship required for greatness? No, no, I don't. I don't think it is, um, because um, Bruce Smith was a great defensive end, maybe the greatest that ever played. He didn't win a championship. Um, Mark Levy was a great coach, knew how to manage all those egos in the locker room. Uh, he didn't win a championship. Um, there's so many you can you can think of over the years. You know, Carl uh, Malone didn't win a a, a championship uh, until. Did he win one with the Lakers? No, but he got hurt that year. He tried. He tried. Yeah. He tried. <laughs> he tried. Um, but you think of these great, great teams over the years that did not win a championship. So only there's only one great team every year in every sport. That doesn't seem right to me. Ernie, do you think it's necessary? No, but there. I think there's layers to greatness. You know what I'm saying? Like there, there's absolutely layers to greatness. Like you know. Um, if you win it, in my opinion, like, yeah, Bruce Smith might, be, might very well be the greatest defensive end of all time. I, I agree with that and, that. and that is greatness. And, you know, there's people, Hall of Fame quarterbacks who never won a Super Bowl. But I think the quarterbacks who won Super Bowls and carry a team to championships are in a higher layer of greatness. You can you can be great. You can be a Hall of Famer. But I just think there's a – you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just an upper – there's two levels of greatness. There's, like, greatness and championship greatness. And I think if you have a profound effect on your team winning – I mean, like – like Rick Fox, I mean, Rick, Rick was at Robert Ory who has like seven titles or something as a role player. Like that's not greatness. You can't just determine championships by great, you know, 
Greatness does not define championships. The guy was a role player. You know what I'm saying? The, the fifth or sixth banana on any team he ever played for, a sixth man most of the time. So championships don't define greatness, but I think like greatness is greatness, but greatness plus championships when like, you're the key component, like a Dirk Nowitzki or a Patrick Mahomes or a Tom Brady, I think that just brings you to an upper echelon of greatness that's beyond just regular greatness. So people that are champions are a, a level above people who are great. Is that fair to say? Um, I, I would I would just say like if, if two guys are of equal talent, I would I would go like Dan Marino versus John Elway, both great quarterbacks. I think John Elway winning the two Super Bowls would put him at a, at, a, at another level because he actually got the job done in those two. You know what I'm saying? And by the way, Dan Marino got bitch slapped by the Bills every year in the playoffs. I just want to point that out to all the people out there. But um, but I just think when when two people have like the same type of credentials, the championship takes that person above the other person when they're a key component to it. Too bad Dan Marino never had Terrell Davis. No, he didn't. Well, even if he did, he'd audible to a pass. <laughs> any, he, him and his big ego would audible to a pass anyways, but I digress. Does very good undermine the pursuit of greatness? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, because there's this thing that all um, human beings struggle with, and uh, it's uh, content, being content, being okay with uh being very good and that that's not even in the sports realm but in everything in life like good enough yeah um is they, they the saying is good enough is the enemy of great right mm-hmm. and um i think absolutely you can get lazy when um you've had uh, some success but to be great to be better than most you know as i defined it earlier that doesn't come without work it doesn't come up come without effort you know, to, to add to add to his point, you know, I think, you know, a lot of people have won championships in their day, and a lot of, you know, teams and players have gotten complacent, but the all-time greats like Michael Jordan, like, you know, like, Pat, like Tom Brady, like Mahomes, the game barely ended, and he's already talking about a 3 P. I I mean, I don't – I by the way, it would be the greatest thing ever if the Bills finally won a Super Bowl the year they thwarted that 3 P. That would be the greatest thing ever. I digress. But – when people are talking, that that's greatness right there. That's not complacency. Like they, they, he doesn't even have the Lombardi Trophy in his hand, and he's already talking about three P. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Tom Brady. That's like the difference in great. They're not like the champ. The, the championship. <laughs> yeah, he's, makes he's, them, not, he's, he's not. He's not competing against his peers. He's competing no, against ghosts. Yes, exactly. And and the thing is, is like, you know, there's people who get complacent after a championship, and then there's people who get even more motivated after a championship. And that's yeah. the and that's the upper tier of these great players and, we, and teams that we've talked about. That's the word I was looking for: complacency, not contentment. Complacency. Yeah, they're synonyms. Yeah, yeah. One leads to the other. Yeah. So, what what do you think it takes to push beyond that that contentment that 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 level? Once you've established that you're good, what is that that then difference? Do they keep doing the same thing that got you from? terrible to good or is it something else that has to change once you once you've established yourself to take it to that next level i think it's it's, it's different for some people you know it's different, like i don't think everybody's motivated by the same things um but just that desire to be known as the best that ever did it you know to just that that's the only like i think you said a moment ago like competing against ghosts like not looking at your peers, but looking at um, 
just where do you want to land when it's all said and done? One thing I always thought was great about JJ Watt was he said, you know, I know I'm an NFL player. I can have anything I want. Um, I'm choosing to, instead of going out to the clubs, I'm going, I'm going to bed and I'm spending my off season working out because this is a very short window of time that I have to achieve greatness, to achieve the ultimate goal. And, um, when I'm retired, then I can have fun. Then I can have parties. But right now I have a job to do. So, um, and then other people, they're motivated by, by ego and they just, they, they, they're, they just want to be looked at and admired and nothing's ever good enough. Uh, it's tough. So the answer I think is it's different for everyone, but those are some of the examples that I can think of. Yeah, I, I agree hundred percent. To add to that, I think it's accountability. <clears throat> I think having, you know, being, as good as like, you know, as good as some players are like Michael Jordan or Patrick Mahomes, them, they're still coachable. Like they're not above a coach getting on there. You know what? If they make a dumb, you know, if they make a dumb play, you know what I'm saying? Like they're not above that. They're still humble enough to realize that even though they're so successful, like they're not, there's still levels of that where they can improve. And the thing I like, is you talked about clubs is um, someone interviewed Josh Allen during Super Bowl week. I'm sure a million people did, but the one I saw, they asked him, would you rather have a night on the town or a night in the couch? And he said night in the couch. And I love that because to me, that's somebody who's not interested. You know, Josh Allen can have anything he wants, especially in Buffalo. You know what I'm saying? Like, if he, you know, he can go out, get drinks in the house. He can go out. I mean, I'm sure many women will love to hang out with him in all cities, let alone Buffalo. So, but he's like, you know what? I, I don't, that doesn't bother me. I just want a night in the couch where I can just relax and take my mind off things. And to me, just, you know, being accountable and I, and having people – sometimes having people from the outside come in and challenge you, like, I don't think John Gruden's that great of a coach. I think he's – I think that he is, in general, overrated. But when he came in that 2002 Buccaneers team, what he did more than anything in the coaching ranks is he challenged them. He's like, wait a minute. He's like, I'm challenging you to be better. You guys are complacent just having a number one defense, but why don't you force turnovers? Why aren't you – you know, why don't you have 20 – you know, why aren't you scoring touchdowns on defense if you're so great? Why You know, having someone to come in and – just be an extra voice and challenging and may holding you even more accountable than you ever were is kind of an, also a difference in that situation, in my opinion. So do you guys think the, the pushing beyond just being very good requires a mentor or an outside perspective or a equally great coach that knows the road to push you beyond that? Or do you think it's more of a innate drive that either you have or you don't have? Again, I think it depends on the person. Some people need that exterior force pushing them and challenging them. And then some people just have a fire that is like in their heart. Do you think that Andy Reid is pushing Patrick Mahomes and saying, we got to get three now. We have to get three. You know, Patrick Mahomes is one of those players that has that, that burn inside of him. Tom Brady, same situation. He always talked about pliability. The dude went on his own weird, crazy diet that no other human being could probably pull off for a month, much less for years that the, you know, his avocado ice cream and all the stuff that he ate. Um, those two people don't need somebody pushing them, pushing them, pushing them. But then you have some players who you'll watch like they're 30 for 30 or something. And they're saying like, you know, it's because of this coach is what is who turned me around and kept me going. You know, and, and in some cases people have, that they have that drive and they have that ability and they have everything, every intangible that you need. But Kobe Bryant and Shaq needed a Phil Jackson, the you know what I'm saying? They needed Phil Jackson to kind of come in and rein them in in terms of, you know, 
instead of channel channeling their energy at each other, channeling their energy together to win a championship. So it can, it could be both, you know, like same thing with Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan didn't want Phil Jackson at first, but Phil, you know, Phil Jackson, excuse me, proved to be like this, this great coach. So I think it just depends on the person, you know, I mean, in many cases, the player makes the coach more than the coach makes them. Andy Reid was a joke until Patrick Mahomes came around. Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. just happens to be the greatest quarterback he ever had. Mm-hmm. You know, those, those two don't those, – those kind of are – you know they, they kind of go together. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So the, the, a lot of time, I, especially in the NFL, I think the court in any in every sport more than anything, the, co- the player makes the coach more in the NFL than in any other sport. So, And I, I think Josh Allen has equal – Josh Allen has equal drive as Patrick Mahomes does. And I think sometimes, and you and I have talked about this, Chris, I'm sure Dell thinks about sometimes he kind of needs that Zen person just to kind of calm him down. Because sometimes, not in the playoffs. He's Mike Holmgren. Exactly. Yes. And he kind of does. You know, in the the playoffs, he has the best touchdown interception ratio. I wish every game was a playoff game. His touchdown interception interception ratio is better than Brady and Mahomes in the playoffs. But sometimes in the regular season, he just kind of, Loses his mind, and he does need yeah, that guy but, to catch that guy. The thing is, the, the the fact that he shows that he can do that in the playoffs when it when it's really essential to, to for that shows an even to me a, a higher level of playing the game because it, it's realizing during the regular season you got a little more leeway. You can lose a couple games because you made a stupid mistake because you took a little more of a risk in, in this situation. One loss isn't the end of the world, but when it's when it's crunch time and, and it's put up or shut up time. He, he locks the shit down and he's not, you don't have to worry about him turning the ball over and, and doing stupid decisions. And to me, Favre was always like that too. He's like, if, I'm, if we're down two or three touchdowns in the second half, what do I care if I got another interception or two? If we're firing bullets and trying to get back in the game, it's the cost of doing business. So I, I don't know. I, I, I'm never going to beat up Josh Allen for taking more chances than, than not taking the chances. It's just, that's that's the cost of doing business when you want big plays and and you want the special plays. It, it, it's it's the trade off, and I, I think absolutely, absolutely. I, and I'm I'm not sure how big a boxing fan you are, you guys are, but Josh Allen is Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao was a absolute tornado of offense that hit you from every single angle. That when he was on, you could not stop him because he just overwhelmed you with his offense and his speed and his power and everything that he has. He wasn't 100% technically sound, so once in a while he'd do stupid things and get caught with a shot that no one else would get caught with. But the positives outweighed the negatives like 50 to 1 with Manny Pacquiao. He's an all-time great. Josh Allen is the same thing to me. He's going to make 50 great – even in the regular season, he's going to make 50 great plays with his one stupid play. I'll take that trade off every day of the week and twice yeah. on Sunday. Yeah, and the coaching equivalent of that is, to me, Dan Campbell. Like his team was there and got to that point because he he was bold and took risk and played the played the game from a coaching perspective different than everybody else does, and he was more aggressive in those situations. Did it come back to bite him in in, in a final game? Sure, but like it, it it's a lot like poker. You can make the right decision a hundred times, and there's ten times that no matter what, you're just gonna get screwed on. You're gonna get you're gonna have a three outer pop up. You're gonna you're gonna have a gut shot hit on you, and you 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 did everything right. It's just. I don't know. I I think you got to be more aggressive, especially in the way everything's going. And I think that's one of the key pursuits of of the difference between good and great is that boldness. And and that brings me up, brings my next question up. Do you guys think great risk is required to achieve greatness? 
I don't think it's required, but I think in most scenarios, greatness was achieved through great risk. Um, and that's true whether it's in the world of business or sports, because you can be great in, in, in a sport and just be great, right? You know what I mean? Like you could just take great risk if you're just, if you're so much better than the competition. Um, but in, in the world of business, especially like fortune favors the mold. And um, if you're looking for an edge or you're looking for some way to um, break through some barrier, sometimes you have to take a risk. You know, I mean, every business, I guess, involves a risk when you think about it, stepping out and, you know. When you started 26 shirts, I'm, I'm guarantee, guarantee there was a walk in a, a blank moment or two there. <laughs> There was a, oh, I wish there was only one or two. There was a whole two years every day. I felt like I was on the plank. No, no, I, I, I always say I was ready to walk through hell. I wasn't prepared for all the return trips. <laughs> it's so perfect. That's, that's, that's true. That's true. Um, but those moments when everything comes together and you see success, it's just, it's, it's worth it. Um, I have a lot of gray hairs and wrinkles, which I attribute to being. I don't know, man. Silver but, Fox over here. It's it, yeah. it's high and tight. It, it, it's nice oh. salt and pepper. Oh, that's that's pure luck. That's just where the stress. Still, up. some of the but, pampering from the Super Bowl yeah. uh, pomp and circumstance. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I feel but, so. Look at me. I feel so bad for your head of hair. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. So yes, often I think is is would be my answer that to be to that would be yes. Often it requires risk. Not always. There's exceptions, but often it requires risk. I, I think, you know, it requires, you know, you don't need to risk it all the time. But I mean, when you're when you're a team who's never won a Super Bowl and you're facing a team going for a three-peat next year, you got to throw every single thing at them. And to me, if you're if the Bills play the Chiefs in the playoffs next year, they have to leave nothing. To, they have to throw everything but the kitchen sink at them, you know, going forward on fourth down and trick. I just You can't you're not going to break a curse or just kind of you're not going to over. I don't even like the word curse because. Curse in the Bills case was just drafting bad players and having bad coaches and having bad man. That's not curse. That's just poor. That's just poor business. So the answer yeah. to, and, and, and a lot of it was doubled down on because people were afraid to make bold decisions and, exactly. and, and change up the status quo. Because well, so and, and, and exactly. And, here, and here's the thing with that. So like, you know, not bold was letting Patrick Mahomes go through the fingertips. Bold, Brandon Bean, the first day he came in, Cleared the deck to draft Josh Allen. Every single move that he made was so that – I'm not sure he knew he was going to draft Josh Allen in 2015 before he did it. Every single move that he made when he got into town was to build enough draft capital to have the capital to move up and draft the franchise quarterback. Every single move he made was to make sure he got Josh Allen, the franchise quarterback, and he did that. So Fortune does – you know, he gave up a lot of draft picks. He gave up good players. And mm-hmm. he still and they still made the playoffs that year. There was a rebuilding year. So that just that kind of and that kind of adds to fortune favors the bold. Like they when they finally did everything right, they had the least amount of talent they had in four or five years, and they made the playoffs. That, what does that tell you? They got mm-hmm. rid of Darby, they got rid of Sammy Watkins, they got rid of Robert Woods, and they still made the playoffs. You know why? Because fortune favors people that do karma favors people who do things the right way, in my opinion. Marcel Marcel yeah. Marcel yeah. That guy was a mess and a half, anyways. He he was. Uh, but they just guy, still they just. Or Steven, yeah, he he, he is. Um, but that again, exactly, but that's another key player, a Pro Bowl player, exactly. Now we can we can debate the merits of him, but he was a Pro Bowl player. You can't deny that. Um, so yeah, I, I believe fortune does favor the bold, and you have to, you have to when you when you, when you're a program like 
Detroit, yeah, they didn't win the NFC Championship game, but they got there by being bold the entire way. You know, they couldn't have done it by being complacent. That's how they. That's how you flip a franchise around. You mm-hmm. flip it around by being bold, making bold decisions, going for it. You know what I'm saying? Like going for the whole thing. Yeah. I, so you're I, not allowed I, to make poor decisions and then say you're cursed, right? It's like no, you just make dumb decisions. Just yeah. Choose yeah. poorly. But I, I think there were a lot of the drought was the result of of being crippled by fear, mm-hmm. fear of well, if we make this big decision, it could go wrong. Fear if we don't, if we didn't do this, and it just I felt like it kept doubling down on on that type of stuff. And I feel like we're kind of in, in a similar situation now that we're an established team. I feel like the the difference between us being a dynasty right now and and us hoping to get lucky and win one in the middle of the Chiefs dynasty is assertiveness is is being the dominant alpha in the situation and just dictating and taking command. you think the, the razor thin difference between the two teams you think jordan's not going to overcome that difference whatever it is if if what the current iteration of him isn't good enough by the next season he's going to figure out what that razor thin difference was and he's going to achieve it and i really just think mm-hmm. that's what's missing from the equation i think and and we're probably going to differ on opinions here, but I think I, I think Sean McDermott's a very good man. I think he's a, a good coach. I think he's an excellent administrator. But I think he's the type of teacher where he can take bad students and make them good all day long just by coming in, cleaning up stupid mistakes, introducing some discipline, a little bit of organization. And I feel like there's a lot of people that can really take a bad student and make them a good student. But it's it's a special breed of alpha that can come in and take a good student and make them a killer, and that's what I really feel like is is missing from this this organization right now is a is is a killer it is somebody that's just you know not winning a Super Bowl is far worse than being the coach and 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 an executive here for the next ten to fifteen years, and my fear is complacency and protect the era at all costs and not make that bold great decision that could push us over the edge but could also uh, comes with a risk of blowing up and if i hear one more person look backwards in the decisions that we make going forward and we could well we could be in drought again no no that was a freak occurrence number one and josh allen and a scarecrow isn't going to let us be in a drought <laughs> yeah. Um, for, first of all, this whole conversation should be underpinned with um, the understanding that Sean McDermott is not going anywhere. He's he's just not. It, it's I don't think the Bengals would, would move him. I, he's he's recently had a contract extension. He's not going anywhere. So that said, I think uh, I think Josh Allen is a killer. To be honest with you, like at least in the playoffs, he is a killer. I, I saw some stat where like every time he leaves the field, <laughs> like it's. They're, they're oh, I believe he's a killer. Winning. Yeah. Um, so, and it, just to touch on the, the whole razor-thin difference between the Chiefs and the Bills, this is going to sound cocky. I don't think there is a difference between the teams. I don't. Um, there has been a, a couple issues here and there. Like, so if Tyler Bass makes that kick, they very well may end up winning that game. Um, if Stefan Diggs doesn't drop that that bomb. They probably end up winning that game, or they have a much they have a very good chance of winning that game. Um, can, I, can I add one into there? Sure. 
if they learn from the coaching mistakes they made at the end of the half against the Steelers the week before, they could have easily have won this game by simply not repeating the exact same coaching mistakes they made at the end of the Chiefs game. Both games they had second and nine with about two minutes, little over two minutes to go. One was at the end of the half for the Steelers. One was at the end of the half against the Bills. Now, Tony Romo pointed out right when it was happening, and I was I was on top of it as well, the Bills called a pass. They, they set Allen up to be in a, in a position to fail. And all they had to do was call a run on second and nine. Even if they get no yards, they take it down to the two-minute warning, and they're still in control. At this point in time, they were up by 21 points in the game. They didn't, they didn't run the ball there. Allen wasn't able to find anybody, so it was an incompletion that stopped the clock. Not ideal. So now it's third and nine, and they double down on the mistake, and they call another pass play. And unfortunately, again, it's an incomplete pass and stops the clock. Now you're at fourth and nine, and you didn't get the ball to the two-minute warning, and you didn't use up their timeouts, and now you're kicking a long field goal. Even if you ran the ball twice there, you're at least making the field goal a little bit closer. You're putting yourself in a position where you could even go for it on fourth and short if you get two short runs there, and you're controlling the clock. And and, and at worst-case scenario – not leaving them in any kind of situation to do anything and have any life left in them. They kick the field goal. The field goal is blocked. Their punter gets hurt. The Steelers score. And now all of a sudden the Steelers are back in the game. Now, if you're going to learn from your mistakes, which we hear all in, uh, over and over and over and again from this regime, this is a moment after you won the playoff game, but there was a moment where you let the team back in. What happened there? What did we do wrong? Rewind that, review it. But they didn't. A week later, it's second and nine with a little over two minutes to go outside of the, the, the right in the between the 20 and 30. The Bills are down by three in that situation. They should have ran the ball because, again, we don't want to score here. We already know if you leave Mahomes any time what he's going to do to us. So you have to like learn from the 13 seconds mistake and realize the goal isn't to take a shot at the end zone here. Why are we even calling that play? Why are we even calling a pass play? So you run on second and nine, you kill more clock. You you ideally get even two, three yards. We were running good against the Chiefs that game. Maybe you get three or four yards. But you are now playing because you know the field goal here is useless because Mahomes going to have enough time to come back up the field on you. So you're playing to just grind this out and at the very least kick the field goal with no time left. We're going into overtime, but ideally score the touchdown with no time left and, 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 and screw these guys. We're off and running. So you run on second down there. Ideally, you get a couple yards, keep the clock going. Now you're at third and five, six maybe. You run again, and even if you get one or two yards, you're in fourth and short. It's a long field goal with the win. Bass has been unreliable. Now you at least have a decision of maybe going for it there in a more realistic situation than being at third and long because you tried to throw incomplete pass. Yes, he was open. Yes, Allen got bumped. But as an old coach said once, Ernie, when you throw the ball, there's three things that can happen, and two of them are bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I've never I um, heard it. That's great. And <laughs> I, I um, it just drives me wild to 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 your point, Matt. That this that Sean McDermott is a very he's not he's not going anywhere for better or worse. That that yeah. I agree with for Dell. But they're not going to sell um, PSLs if he doesn't win a Super Bowl in the next two years, and he's still on the sidelines going into that new stadium. Now you're looking I, at a full rebuild with a coach you can't sell. That's my well, that's what I'm terrified of. Well, I, I I don't know. I mean, I can't you know I can't speak for all Bills fans. But I mean, they were they were filling that place up in the seventeen year playoff drought. So I don't you know what I'm saying I'm not exactly yeah, that didn't but, have PSLs attached to it. But you're right, and and that that's correct. However, um, the game management at the end of that game was just wild. First off, let's be honest: though, the degree of difficulty of having an eight minute drive 
and scoring a touchdown is not easy. So that's, a, that's you know, the only person you put that in the hands of in the entire league is Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. Well, you have to start but, from that two-minute – where they were at the yes, two-minute warning. Yeah, but like I said, that, that's a high degree of difficulty, but they almost did it. And, yes, mm-hmm. I, I agree they could have done different things to uh, – because that was a shot play. And every every single person who studied the game film said that wasn't on Josh for throwing a deep dunk pass to Stefan Diggs. That play was meant to go exactly where it was. And he just got bumped, and that's the play call. That's not Josh, yeah. you know. And and a hundred percent, I um. But to get off of that, one this here's the one thing that Sean McDermott or any coach needs to do to fix the Bills. You stay out of Josh Allen's way, period. Just stay out of his. Just stay out of the off. Stay out of his way. Like just mm-hmm. don't let him be who he is. Because again, he's going to make fifty great plays to one negative play. That you know, if the Bills win that game. That pass to Shakir he threw for a touchdown, we would still be seeing on NFL Network every single day. That was what I mean. That play will be on his Hall of Fame highway reel. That's one of the most ridiculous throws going to his opposite way, throwing it to the pylon to Shakir. One of the best throws I've ever seen him make. Period. Like the guy, you know, just stay out of his way. Like this whole like complimentary football thing is insane. Because how how they how they beat the Dolphins in the first game is how they should play everybody. Josh Allen just overwhelmed them with his. With his offense and his skills, they couldn't. The the um the degree of difficulty of matching Josh Allen score for score, play for play, nobody can do it. Not I don't think the, the Chiefs could do it if they let Josh Allen just go. The, that that Dolphins team at the beginning of the season was, was on fire offensively, and mm-hmm. as soon as Josh Allen came out firing bullets, drive after drive after drive, they wilted because they could not handle the pressure of standing up to Josh Allen. If they did that every – and then the next week they stopped doing it. If they do that every single game, they're going to go 16 – I mean, in my opinion just, – Just give me an opportunistic defense. I, I don't need a dominant defense. I don't need anything crazy. Give me a couple stops here and there. The, exactly. The, the occasional lucky bounce and and, and put all your resources and and, and every, every egg in the offensive basket. I, I agree That's, 100%. I agree I don't, I don't, I don't, I, we all agree on that. I don't even, I don't even care who's on defense. When, jo- when you let Josh Allen be Josh Allen, the other team, no other team's going to score almost every single possession. Look what I mean, the guy scored like 14 out of six. When they let Josh Allen be Josh Allen in the 2021 playoffs, they scored touchdowns on like 14 of 16 drives. That's insanity. Yeah. yeah it's, I really think that they should build around Josh Allen, score 50 points a game, make the other team score 51. That's that's mm-hmm. my that's my opinion. And so it doesn't matter who the coach is, as long as whoever the coaches understands that you have a unicorn under center and let that unicorn be a unicorn and say, thank you for being a unicorn. Thank you for being my unicorn. Yeah. Now I'm going to have rings and accolades because you're so just do your thing and I'll get out of your way. Yeah. Agreed. If you're, if you're, if you're going to go in on the all, all in on the Sean McDermott's our guy, he's here, it's on a contract. That's what it is. Then you got to lean into the reasons that you're arguing that he's here. You had a bunch of injuries this year, and he still put a great defense on the field. Mm-hmm. What does that tell me? That tells me stop dumping resources into the defense. Get some smart contracts, some rookie contracts. Be real budget-friendly on the defense. Let Sean McDermott be the difference maker that gets you an opportunistic, tangible defense. I don't care if you're 15th, 16th in the league, but like top five in turnovers. That would be perfect, a perfect defense for Josh Allen. And then you every draft pick, every resource, every asset, every resign, you put it on the offensive side of the ball. I, I think that's the way to go. But that brings me to what what my greatest fear is: is the difference right now. I don't think we're a player away. I don't think 
we're a play away. I don't think we're any of these different things away. I think the difference right now between good and great or the Bills and the Chiefs is the intangible element, the, the pushing the right buttons. And I'm not even saying that the person, the people pushing the buttons are the wrong people. I'm just saying to date, they haven't pushed the right buttons because I believe they've been there to, to push. We've just pushed the wrong combinations. Maybe they'll push the right buttons at some point, but history history has told me that I don't have a lot of faith that, that we're going to push the right buttons here in time to figure it out. I hope you're wrong. <laughs> I, 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 I hope. I hope. I honestly, like I said, I, I don't have. I mean, my point is, how many kicks at the can do you get? But I hope. I hope that you know. If they move towards, that, if they move towards offense, then they, they've at least realized they weren't pushing the right buttons. And I, I don't think you know. what I'm saying, like on offense, just like I not. There's just so many. They waste so many plays during the course of the game on offense. It's just ridiculous. Like when you have second and one with Josh Allen, who's one. Who every and every metric or eye test shows you that he is one of the best, if not the best, play action passer in the league, and you just run the ball and get the first down. It's like, what are you doing? Like Josh is like, said that this little little things like that. I didn't, yeah. you know, I I'm just so sick. Like I'm so not, sick of hearing about that's again not being aggressive. Yeah, that's that's an in aggressive. 2000, Go ahead. Yeah. In 2008, when the Wildcat was taken over the NFL, somebody asked Robert Kraft, like, do you think the Patriots? Would ever like take advantage of this this new wrinkle in offense, and he said, "Why would we ever not want to have the ball in Tom Brady's hands? Why would we ever do that mm -hmm. when we have Tom Brady?" And I, I feel like that's the, the with the Bills. I feel like that should be every every question should be automatically asked. Well, if we ask this question: Does why would we ever not allow Josh to do his thing? That should be the immediate question. If then if it doesn't work out, then okay, let's keep pursuing that first question. But like, the entire team should run through Josh Allen. We've waited mm -hmm. as fans so long to have somebody like this under center. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we can go back and forth forever about this, but I think we well, all agree yeah. But 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 yeah. Dell, as, as a business person, you expect more out of your highest earning person than you do anybody else. And that's we, you know, and, and that's kind of what Josh. He's he's a guy who makes two hundred fifty million dollars. You need to lean into him. You know what I'm saying? I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah. You, All right, you accentuate what you're good at. Exactly. All right, gentlemen, we're gonna kind of uh, put a cap on it there at the end here. Uh, Dell, I want to give you a minute to get some cheap plugs in. Tell us what's going on with uh, twenty six shirts and and and, and the world of uh, Bill's Mafia. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to use part of my minute and just say thank you for having me on. This has been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Um. Yeah, so 26 shirts, we always have something going on. Every Monday we launch a new shirt. Just head over there anytime you feel like it. We're launching new shirts on Mondays and Wednesdays and any other days we feel like it. So we sell a lot more than 26 shirts a year now. Um, <laughs> but the name is kind of stuck, so we have to deal with it. But, uh, yeah, so just, you know, uh, you can find us at 26 shirts on every channel. Uh, I'm at Del Reed on Twitter and at Del Reed 26 on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and uh, I'm just super grateful whenever I had this opportunity. I just you know, because we've had a lot of success the past several years. And I'm just super grateful for all the fellow fans that believe in what we do at 26 shirts. So if you've ever bought a shirt, if you've ever retweeted, um, or, you know, even just shared what we have going on, thank you so much. And if you haven't, come on, man. <laughs> come on. Get on. Get on. <laughs> Del, I, I appreciate everything you've done with us and everything you've done for the community, um, for sure. What what What's the current cause? What uh, is the current shirt um, and, and who is it helping? Yeah, so we have two different shirts going on because we launch a shirt every uh, every Monday now, and it's still a two-week campaign. So um, 
we have the Jackie Gunther design that uh, Ernie was talking about a moment ago. We have two designs for her, uh, Pop Art, which is like this Andy Warhol vibe um, design. And then we also have the, um, don't, tell, don't tell Stanley, but we have a, a cool Buffalo uh, Hydrate design based off the Stanley logo that we're kind of parodying there. And then the other design we have is um, for Desmond, uh, I think it's Benimoff. Forgive me if I, I mispronounced that. We have two designs going for him right now. One we just launched yesterday on Valentine's Day. I love JA, kind of like Candy Hearts. We thought of it too late to do it ahead of Valentine's Day, so we decided <laughs> to just launch it on Valentine's Day. And, I mean, this is Buffalo. Whether yeah. it's Candy Hearts and a light blue we'll, shirt, I'll have it for guy next or girl. You can, well, yeah, but you can wear that shirt whether you're a guy or a girl. Everybody understands. You love Josh Allen. Um, and then uh, the shirt we launched on Monday was kind of embracing the new development with public domain, how Steamboat Willie is now in the public domain. And so we teamed up with Zubaz and we have Steamboat Billy. So Sweet. it's, uh, nice. <laughs> so that's a design that we just launched for, for Desmond as well. Nice. Nice. Ernie, anything, uh, anything to plug? No, I just, I mean, 26 shirts is such a no, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to keep talking about Dell if he's cool with that. 26 shirts is such a noble cause Dell. I mean, you're just like a, just a great representative of the bills. You know, I, you know, sometimes I wish I had your, you're such a positive. I mean, sometimes it's difficult yeah, when you're temperament when you, demeanor. He's, he's, he's too, too yeah, calm you're, of a Bills you're, fan. I, I, I wish I had your calm demeanor being a Bills fan because when you're this close to a championship and you keep fumbling it, it's difficult sometimes. And I, I, I wish I could be as calm and and reason sometimes as you because sometimes I, I can't sometimes, you know, yeah. and I, I appreciate that. And your cause is awesome. And thank you for helping Jackie and everybody else, you know, and all the people that I don't know too. You've helped out so many people and I appreciate that. And anything I can do to help, let me know. Oh, you're the best. I appreciate that. Real quick to that point, drives my wife crazy how whenever something happens, I'm always looking like at the, the silver lining. Well, at least we learned this. Or I was like, no, this is bad. We're not, we're not talking about it. Like, it drives her crazy how I'm always looking like, you can't think what happened. So just look at how well, you Well, I, I wish the actual bills would learn something from these losses. They keep, you know, that's the issue. Like, they, they learn something from these losses like you do. We'd probably be at the we'd probably, we'd probably be hanging out at the parade right now instead of doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's for, for me. I'm I'm a bit of a curmudgeon because I just dude we went through the 90s man I I lived through that I know how much I'm, I know how much worse it can hurt and what I really don't want is I don't want another generation like we had one whole generation go with this whole black cloud of the drought and and you can say what you want sports shouldn't have an effect on a community and it shouldn't shouldn't dictate how people's moods and spirits are but it does and and that whole loser mindset got infected and, and and set into the community. And it's sad to see, even from, from distance when I come home. And and I just I don't want to repeat that whole era all over again. And, and all even worse, a beta version of it where instead of four Super Bowl losses, it's four divisional rounds, and next thing you know, the era's over. That was to, to me the most profound thing of the 90s bills is how quick that era went by. Just boom, before you even realized, knew it, you thought it was going to be forever. We're always going to Super Bowls. I'll never forget the slogan for 94. The Super Bowls are our hobby. We'll see you in Joe Robbie. Like, we're just, we're coming back over and over again. Then it's gone. It's over. Now we're losers for, for indefinitely. And I just, I do not want another uh, another generation of Bills fans to feel the pain out of it without feeling the, the excitement and the ecstasy and, mm. and the mission accomplished and, and the joy. So like all these different little mistakes and decisions when you're this close, it it, it 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 really emotionally affects me because I think the stakes are high. I think this is a psychological battle for the community of Western New York. I've lived in LA. Sorry to go on a little mini rant here at the end, but I've been in LA for about 17 years now. I, I've been in some other cities in that. 
it is a profound difference in the cities that have won championships and that it just is. People don't grow up thinking that there's a cap or a limit on what you can accomplish. Anything's possible. Mm. They've seen greatness up close and personal. They've seen Los Angeles. They made a bunch of crazy decisions, traded draft picks, traded their quarterback after going to the Super Bowl. Could you imagine Buffalo if we traded our quarterback after going to the Super Bowl because it wasn't good enough, we lost, and we didn't think we were going to get over the hump with him, and then going right back and winning the Super Bowl because of those bold decisions? But people in L.A., that's just business as, as usual. You roll the dice and, and you take a risk. That's how you go big. And, and I want my city, my, my community, the people I love so much to feel and experience that and really have that invisible wall break and know that anything truly is possible. And until one of these teams gets their act in order, figures it out and does that, I, I, I just I, – I, 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 Oh, Dell's got a gift for us. The, Oh, the, I had that. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> I, I, I had the, I had the shirt and hat myself. Del. I used to I go to the nine. I went to the nineties championships with my dad. Banded skates were the greatest. That's how, how old I am, Dell. I used to go watch them practice every Tuesday at Sportsplex in North Tonawanda. The old team like John Bars and uh, Beltman and Troy Cordingly, the Kilgore brothers. That was fun. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt with that, Chris. I just wanted no, to no, it, 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 it was a good way to Bandit, Bandit Land is awesome, man. There's no no doubt about that. Yeah, I like my greatest fear is getting back to the Super Bowl and losing again. And because of Twitter, it feels like we lost five in a row. It's like it's brand new and everybody gets to dunk on us that didn't get to dunk on the first four years. I like oh, when yeah. we go back, we have to get the job done. And it just it it it, it means so much. That that's yeah, the yeah, that's I mean, my soapbox. That rant of yours, man, you should just take that. Take your square on here. Put it as a reel on Instagram. I thought it was a, it was really well said, and I didn't even think about that. How the air in a city is different after a championship, and to see yes, greatness can be attained, and and you and you can accomplish great things. You can the, the apex. I think it, that is an excellent life lesson yeah, like for the, every kid the culmination of like, you know this this big struggle. The glass needs to break, man. At least yeah. once to prove it's possible. Like I'm, I'm 46 years old. I just want to know it's possible. That's all I want to know. <laughs> that, that, that somebody from Buffalo can do it. That it can happen. You get enough talent. You get enough things in line, and you put all the pieces in place. You can win a championship. I'm, I'm tired of the excuses. I'm tired of the silly reasons why. I'm tired of being this close, man. I like, I like, yeah. I could go on about it all. I, 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 I think, I think we all, I, I think we, we can all agree that Josh is the guy to do it. He's gonna. I, I'm, I'm. Yes. I am confident if they just stay out of his way, he'll do it. Yep, just get out of his way. Yes, you know, in way. politics, they say when your enemy's making a mistake or when your opposition's making a mistake, don't get in his way. Let him. Yeah, exactly. What, yeah, that, that's a, yeah. When your enemy's making a mistake, don't interrupt him. Yeah, when your quarterback's about to, don't get in his way. Yeah. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, it's a good place to end. Don't get in Josh Allen's way. I appreciate your time this evening, gentlemen. Have a good weekend. Uh, Dell, keep doing good things, my friend. I uh, appreciate the encouraging words. Thanks, guys.